The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter、mm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Oh hi, listeners. We're here to talk about minute sixty-one of the room, in which Peter diagnoses Lisa and Mark wants an Oscar because it's, this is just Mark acting the crap out of it, right? Yep. <laughs> We are still on the roof. Mark just tried to kill Peter and then immediately apologized. It was the most heartfelt apology ever put to film, and now he's just got to come down from his anger with a little help. It's good to say I'm sorry after trying to kill someone, though. It is. Oh hi, Johan. Oh hi, guys. Yeah, if I kill, if I try to kill you, I will apologize after. I, I'd promise.、Mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate that. Normally,、yeah. that gesture's lost in today's society, and I'm glad、mm-hmm. it's coming back in a chivalrous manner. It, in fact, I think if you succeed in killing someone, you should probably apologize to the body as well. Yeah, to the body. Just to you know keep、yeah. your karma good. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. But we yeah, so we start. We're close on Mark. He is he is doing some acting. This is, by the way, I believe this was filmed. Wait, was it the roof? No, it's the tuxedo scene that was filmed right after he was getting pissed off with Tommy. This would have been Peter's last day on the on shooting, I believe. Yeah. What, wait, was it or was it the next minute? Well, the the tuxedo is, but yeah, this I think was filmed this well, maybe not the same day, but close to it. Peter's getting ready to leave. This is our last scene for the、uh, second director of photography, Graham Fudifoss, and then we move on to a third one. <laughs> Yay! You got to keep those visuals consistent. Yep. Yeah. But what we do get is what looks like almost a handheld camera a couple times here, which is kind of nice for this movie. And, I don't know how they're doing a handheld camera because they're using two cameras next to each other, but they're moving it around nicely. It, it's really weird because sometimes the audio really doesn't match up with the video. Yeah.、Mm. Like you see that the voice is just a little bit later than the actual video. Yeah. But let's let's go a little bit into his dialogue. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Why do you want to know my secret, man? Well, you're right. It's Lisa. I don't know what to do, man. I like how eccentric he's acting, and he's like, "I'm so depressed." So depressed. It's like, no, that isn't necessarily depression, right there. Well, no, but last last minute or minute before, Peter did say you look depressed. You look depressed. So he's just running with the, the diagnosis he has gotten from a professional. That is, it's wrong.、Wow. But he got like, it. <laughs> not only is it wrong, but he jumped through four other steps before acceptance <laughs> really fast. <laughs> yeah. See, we, what we've seen in this scene is the whole gamut of like denial, anger, acceptance, and then, and then we're done. We're, we're, we're up to acceptance now. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> we're all good. Just jumped right into it. <laughs> and how's Lisa manipulating? Bitch, it's all her fault. She's such a manipulative bitch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I haven't seen her try to convince anybody of anything except the mom. Yeah, and maybe Michelle, but Michelle kind of went along with everything she said. Yeah, but it, it it's not like she says like, oh Johnny's like this, and like think of the things she said to Michelle, like Johnny hits me, blah blah blah. She didn't、yeah. tell it to him. 
Right. She didn't lie to get Mark to have sex with her. She just yeah. told him that she wanted to have sex with him, basically. And he's like, no, no. Okay. Yeah. And this is that really, like, quote unquote, well, no, it's not quote unquote, but this is just really dumb misogynist thing where women can be sluts, but not men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Ball this is the, fault. yeah, like, oh, she wanted to have sex with me and I had sex with her. Oh, God, she's such a slut. It's like, mm-hmm. put it all on her, which fits with yeah. the movie. Yeah. The movie is constantly blaming the women, especially Lisa, for everything. Yeah. But this is one of those like, oh, she's so manipulative. She want to have sex with me. That's so manipulating. Such a woman. It's like, what? <laughs> but that comes through in this dialogue. And since we know who wrote it and it seems to be a whole theme of that person. Yeah. so We need someone to say it. And so we have Mark here to call her manipulative bitch. And then a couple lines from now, we're going to get Peter diagnosing her as worse. So it's, yeah. this is where we learn from a professional how bad Lisa is. In case we've missed it so far. Yeah. Because mostly I think I'm with Lisa. Yeah. But it, it's kind of weird for the psychiatrist to kind of, openly diagnose a whole bunch of people in his close group Mm -hmm. it seems irresponsible and in a way a huge hipaa violation (laughs) yeah totally because he's basically stating what he thinks that the person is like to the open to other people yeah and since he is a psychiatrist this is a diagnosis yeah so it's not like you're in a group of friends and go like do you have that cancer checked out? It's like, what the? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, imagine, like, just at the beginning of the scene, Mark's like, you want to put me on the clock? Oh, man, you want to put me on the clock? Imagine this is an actual session and, like, this is official. He's talking to Mark as if he's a patient. Mm-hmm. He still can't say this stuff about Lisa like he does. No, he can't. He can force Mark into coming to, like, his own idea of who Lisa is and stuff. But She's a sociopath. She only cares about herself. She can't love anyone. He shouldn't be calling her a sociopath. Yes. No. Yeah, but it's just, it, it makes it even more reckless when you're doing it with friends because you have an attachment to the person you're diagnosing. Yeah. So you could be swayed to what you want to say to the patient if there's something in the balance, like a friendship. Oh, definitely. So that's why, like, this uh but the person who wrote the script was a, what, what was he? Like a economics in farming? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, well, and it's it's interesting also that like Peter says like, how the hell did you let this happen? Mark gets a masterful delivery on the fuck, which is great. No, no, that was actually good. That was actually good. But Peter says, you know, this is going to ruin your friendship with Johnny. But he doesn't. It's like Peter doesn't consider the fact that this conversation can ruin his friendship with Johnny or his yeah. friendship with Mark or with Lisa because he's well. It could end it with, with Johnny because he's not telling Johnny. Can end with Lisa because he's telling Lisa other stuff and he's invited to their party. Yeah. Well, it's somebody else, but Although, it's him. <laughs> maybe that's why Peter never shows up again as he realizes he has just burnt all those bridges and he has to go. And it's a huge conflict of interest, yeah. Yeah. But ah, this is it, it's really weird to have this guy deliver these lines in such a way. Well, and it's a deliberate choice by the writing. This is what Tommy wants is bring in a psychiatrist character to announce what these, what it, like confirm the worst. Yeah. That Lisa's a bitch. Yeah. And she's a sociopath. A sociopathic bitch. And it's like, oh, but think about Johnny. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole thing. I, d- I do like that right before he did, uh, diagnosed her as a sociopath, it switches from all these weird close ups to an actual two shot of Mark and Peter standing next to each other. And it's, it's a nice shot. 
Although it shows how narrow this roof set is for this scene, which is really weird, but that's a whole other problem. Yeah, but the second between 41 and 43, that weird pan between one guy to the other is... Oh, yeah. It, mm. Up close pan is so bizarre. Yeah. Because the way I think about it, it's like kind of like, you remember when the first Mission Impossible came out and it was in TV format, the box? Mm, yeah. The letterbox or whatever? When... Tom Cruise and what's his name? The guy who played Marcellus Wallace. Ving Rames. Ving Rames. When they're having their conversation, it's normally just cut back and forth. Yeah. Like the camera doesn't pan from one to the side because it's like that. Yeah. When it was that, it was weird to see it because it went from the regular widescreen to this. Mm. where are cut back and forth. But then now I realize like how that was chosen for that because when you do that pan back and forth, it just looks weird. Yeah. For some reason, just having that empty space in between the blue sky just doesn't seem right no. between the two characters. You, you, you don't pan during a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you're panning across a face of like people listening because we need a bunch of responses or something. Yeah. And right before that, they get the nice two shot where we see them standing there and I like it. And then it goes close again and then it does the pan and... Yeah, that's but yeah, a weird camera movie. It is weird because it's not like they had to compensate for lighting. No, they're they really could have just positioned them in such a way that they could both be seen. Yeah, which this movie rarely does, except from far away, which is is weird. I think we talked about. This, I think this would have been the first director of photography. One of the scenes with Lisa and her mother, you get these nice over the shoulder shots of them talking to each other, and it's like that's a real movie. Yeah. And then this is maybe this is just Graham Puderfoss fucking around because he knows he's quitting tomorrow morning. Yeah. But one of the things that's weird, like right before they walk into this door, like why? First off, why is the it so small? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have to like duck. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, this they built this. They could have made it taller. <laughs> uh, yes, they could have. They had multiple people hit their head on that thing. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But in this angle right here, you have a wide shot of the background. Why couldn't you have them talking there? Like, instead of that... That makes too much sense. Yeah, yeah instead of, like, just clo- That's too smart. Because other- otherwise, you have this close-up of just blue sky, no background. But this would have been a really nice, like, shot. Mm-hmm. And it makes no... It just makes no sense. Well, it's okay, because they put the exact same flowers over in the corner that are over in the other corner. So yeah, they just keep moving that that pot of flower uh-huh. everywhere. They don't even rearrange them. No, it's the same flowers in the same position. Yeah, it's great. And I think you can get these at like Rite Aid for like <laughs> seven bucks. Like they're just right up front. Yeah. They never get brought in because they're like, eh, no one's gonna steal it. And if they did, oh well. So, oh no. But then we learn also what a sociopath is. She only cares about herself. She can't love anyone. Which. I'm not sure it's actually plane. technically true of a sociopath, but might be true of Lisa. Um, um, all right. I just looked it up online. Okay. A person with a personality disorder manifesting itself in extreme antisocial attitudes yeah. and yeah. behavior and a lack of conscience. Okay. But I wouldn't consider her antisocial. No, no. Now, you could say she is interacting with Mark in some sort of sociopathic way. That doesn't necessarily make her a sociopath. Wouldn't that make her a narcissist? Well, I think everyone in this movie is a narcissist. Yeah. Except maybe Denny. See, because narcissists have an an excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. Mm. Maybe. There's definitely some narcissism because, like, she's just, I think it's in a couple scenes. We get the her talking about what she's going to do. I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's it. I need more from life than what Johnny can give me. Suddenly my eyes are wide open and I can see everything so clearly. I want it all. You have to take as much as you can. You have to live, live, live. (laughs) Don't worry about me. I have everything covered. 
Yeah. So she's definitely very like focused on her needs over everyone else. Doesn't everybody look out for number one? Don't I deserve the best? I, I don't know if it necessarily comes down to appearance with the narcissism, but for her. Okay, so, yeah, doesn't seem like it falls in line with narcissists. I mean, generally, this what Lisa is doing isn't necessarily a personality disorder. It would just be a bitch move. Oh, yeah. that That's all it is. It, it's not something that you diagnose. These are just people acting like jerks. Right. And it's if you edit it differently so that we are on her side a little more, mm-hmm. she's not even being that bad as that. She's in a bad situation she's having trouble getting out of. So she forces it by having the affair. Yes. Which you've seen on like Melrose Place, yeah. et cetera. It's, it's not excessively bad and it's not overwhelmingly destructive to around you, but it's self-destructive in a way. Right. Which you have movies that are from the perspective of that character that is doing that self-destructive thing because it's the only way they can escape. Yeah. And you favor that. In this case, the movie is not from her perspective. So yeah. we aren't allowed yeah. to be on her side. Yeah. Cause it, it, it could, could be like one of those seven year itch things in her case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is which, a good movie. Yeah. yeah. And how they've been together five or seven years. So yeah, it fits. Yeah. So she, yeah. So she's having the seven year itch. Well, and she's having, you know, cold feet because they're going to get married in a month. Yeah. So that could definitely be it too. It's just like she needs to sabotage that. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to be locked in with this guy mm-hmm. and he's a vampire. She already lives in this tiny apartment with him. She doesn't want to be stuck there forever. She doesn't leave, does she? No. She doesn't have a job that we know of. Well, she has a job. It's yeah. just not going well. Oh, what is her job? She works in computers and she works apparently from home. What? But she doesn't have a lot of clients. What is that? We don't know. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> how do you work in? That's more than we know about Mark, though. We know he is busy in a car. I, I, I assumed that he was like some sort of handyman. Oh, that, that'd be interesting. Or just a Canadian trendsetter with all the denim. <laughs> but you can't work in computers unless you're IT. Like, it just doesn't, none of these jobs ever make any sense. No. The only ones that do is the person who runs a flower shop. <laughs> like, that one's the one that made most sense. Yeah, that's a job. We'll see yeah. a coffee shop. Yeah, soon. but it's just like, that is a job. Yeah. We don't, like, even Johnny, we know he works in a bank. We don't know what he does. And he writes software somehow. Oh, I think he has ideas. We don't know that his involved computers at all. Yeah. We just know he had ideas that they put in, they used, and it made them money. Yeah. We don't know what those ideas were. Yeah. And they didn't promote him. Uh, all right. <laughs> and and we know Mike is a college student, and we know Denny. Actually, the movie doesn't tell us Denny's a student, does it? No. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Lisa does. She no, said no. She yeah. paying for his classes. Yeah. Yeah. So we know they're college students, but we and Peter is a psychiatrist. So That's literally, right. the only person where we might have a specific idea of what he does as a job in this minute, we are seeing him do it badly. Yeah, throwing around terms. Yeah. Well, and a drug dealer. That's about it. Oh, yeah. Chris R. Yeah. Of course. This is the only real job. But he's going to jail, so he's gone. <laughs> yeah, is he, though? <laughs> it looks like they did a catch and release. Well, I've, I've avoided talking about specifics as much as I can now, but the supposed original script that you can find online that's clearly fake suggests that they didn't take him anywhere. Johnny just fed on him once they got him downstairs. That makes more sense. And I'm like, yeah, that works. Drink his blood and... Buried him someplace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Peter Peter is right, though, that sometimes life can get complicated, and you've got to be responsible. He does have one good line there. Yeah. But then we get to leave the roof again once they go in the outhouse. We get an establishing shot of Grace Cathedral again. 
I think it's the third or fourth time they've used that one. Yeah. And then we'd cut to Johnny on the phone talking to someone. But honestly, why do they keep cutting to certain scenes? Someone should, <laughs> someone should have stopped some of this. I, I don't even know what scenes you mean, and I, that's funny. Or I mean, like, some yeah. Why do they cut? Why do they do things? Yeah, like, why Why this cathedral? They want to establish that this is set in San Francisco. I don't know why it's set in San Francisco. <sighs> a, a real movie uses establishing shots, but usually establishing shots are to establish the location of the next scene. Yes, but... Yeah. The next scene's in okay, the apartment. Yeah, but... Uh, see, okay, but... We're still in the same place. Like, we've never left a city. No. And oddly enough, I've seen way more rice commercials that did not have to establish San Francisco <laughs> as much as this movie. Well, at least this shot, there's no uh, tr- no trolley car going by. Not in this one, but I know in a no. couple of minutes, we do yeah. have one. We get them. I, it's, he, want, he thought a serious movie had establishing shots of the location, but... What movies has he been watching? Right. You establish the location specifically, not broadly. We don't need to know it's San Francisco. It, it's been San Francisco, like, as you say, the whole time. There, there aren't a lot of times where we establish the Church of Notre Dame in the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> like you already know, they're like cool. People know it's in Notre Dame. We don't need to show the whole entire building every time. Right. And this one, it's like, guess what? We're now in San Francisco. And even better, they don't live anywhere near Grace Cathedral, and he doesn't work anywhere near Grace Cathedral. No, it the wedding doesn't seem to be there. They're not like doing like a rehearsal there. That's why it's it's weird. It, maybe that's why he put this particular establishing shot in this before this scene is he wants to get us thinking about church before they start talking about the wedding again. But I mean, that's not good. But at least it has a weird sort of sense. Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> It's better than when he uses the, like, the full house, the painted ladies, because those have nothing to do with this movie. At least yeah. the church might suggest something. Or the opening shot was in front of this church with him going on the trolley car by. But now he's not even there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, he's at home talking. I guess he's talking to the church. Yeah. And he says, Oh, thank you. And the minute ends. <laughs> so, okay. We don't know what he was talking about or to, or if he was, he might just be testing out the phone. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, that's like one of my pet peeves to a lot of, you know, I've only seen it in old movies, but not so much in new movies <laughs> where someone is hanging up the phone to start a scene. Oh, yeah. I hate it. It, it It's like you can't just be sitting there, even though they've done that many yeah. times in this movie. Yes, you can just not be on the phone because it has nothing to do with the entire scene. So I don't know if he's just gone over old movies and use that as his inspiration. Because there's only a couple movies where I can think of where there are a ton of establishing shots to make sure that you are still in the city. Mm. And stuff like that is like um, Double Indemnity, huh. which is a good movie. Yeah. But it seems like he might be drawing from a lot of these old, great films, and he's doing that. I want to go back. One movie we know he really likes is Rebel Without a Cause. I, I should watch it again and see if it has a lot of weird establishing shots. The Griffith Observatory. Right. But they're, they're going to the Griffith Observatory, so it makes sense. Yes. I'm wondering if it get, if you get an establishing shot of a location that isn't uh, where the scene is taking place. That is true. Because that doesn't, you don't do that. I can't think of a movie or a TV show that does that. Hmm. Maybe it's like one of those, because like when he came to L.A. and he probably, obviously probably visited the Griffith Observatory mm-hmm. and he saw every scene filmed around that area, 
like the roads and every like a lot of it is filmed in just like a one mile vicinity to the Griffith Observatory. Yeah, maybe he just wanted to do that, mm-hmm. but then he just picked San Francisco and realized he couldn't film parts of San Francisco's too expensive to film. Yeah, but he couldn't film parts of L.A. So I don't know. Maybe that's what he did. I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll think about it some more next time. Yeah. In the meantime, notes from a midnight screening. Notes from a midnight screening. A couple very simple ones. The audience says, Manipulative bitch! Along with Mark, because the audience are misogynist, of course. They hate her. Yeah. <laughs> they also, the, his delivery in this minute is so good, you have to go with him on it. Yeah. Because they also yeah. say fuck yeah. when he says fuck. But my favorite, I think, from this minute is when they go down into the outhouse, the stairway from the roof. Even though they've gone into it many times, this was the time where some of the audience like, Narnia! <laughs> That's where they go. Johan, where can the audience hear more from you? Uh, you guys can see me, uh, or not see me, but listen to me. <laughs> on the Independence Day Minute, we've been on a hiatus, but we are coming back. But it's not the wrong when people make it fun of the project, in this case, the room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us! Is that going to give us enough time to cross-check the... (laughs) 